The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent, closed-cell, PE, EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadek.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to episode 100 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Lamano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by SeaDeck Marine Products. Stinking carpet is a thing of the past now. Seriously, folks, with SeaDeck non-skid EVA marine flooring, your boat will be like new and minus the mildew. Easy to clean and completely customizable. Head over to SeaDeck.com to find a certified fabricator and installer in your area, and not just in North America, but worldwide. SeaDeck.com, again, is the website, and you should check it out because your boat deserves SeaDeck. Well, it's episode 100 and a special milestone today, and on the show, I've got returning guests, Eric Ruck, and from the WSIA, one of my good pals, Kevin Michael, also joining us is the team manager of Nautique, Anthony, the Shoe King Monaco. I thought it would be fitting to have all those guys on as we all started up in Wisconsin with an amateur show ski team called the Aquanuts. I'm sure if you have been a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about the nuts before. We've always been passionate about toad water sports, and now over 25 years after meeting each other and either skiing together or being coached by, or in my case, looking up to or being mentored by these guys in one way or another, we're all very much still involved in the sport and industry. It's a super loose interview. In fact, uh, there was a ton of content that we cut out from the beginning. I'm going to use a bunch of that later on down the line. Pretty much did like a whole interview with Anthony, which I want you guys to hear, but probably about 15, 20, 30 minutes into the show uh, that you guys aren't going to hear at this point. But anyways, the guys turned the tables on me. They had their own questions and sort of interviewed me. You know, I'm honored to have some of my best friends on this one, and we did record it at my Boathouse studio down in Windermere just before I hit the road for some major events, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy recording it with the boys. Well, since episode 99, I've been crazy busy with travel and contests and events, as well as getting things prepared for the big Twin Lakes Corn Fest Music and Water Ski Showcase happening up in Wisconsin, August 17th. I do appreciate all the positive feedback I got from the Larry Medoc episode, number 99, part one. And the next episode after this, episode 101, will actually be Larry Medoc, part number two, because we went a really, really long time. 
I was on Lake of the Ozarks with the WWA in Malibu Boats for stop number two, the 2018 Malibu Rider Experience. My dad and I drove down from Illinois and we had a blast. Well, we had fun aside from me catching a little bit of a cold while I was there. It was fun to hang out with the crew. The Malibu Pro team was in the house as always and some really nice families doing what they love, getting out on the lake and enjoying the lake life. I do recommend checking out the Malibu Boats Rider Experience Series this summer or next. It's seriously just a fun weekend with Free Ride Friday, the WWA Wakeboard Regionals, usually on Saturday, and then we close out the weekend with Surfgate Sunday. So always a good chance to get behind the new Malibus. And what better way than with some of the top names in the sport like Chad Sharp, Jeff Langley, Ollie and Rafterome, Tara Mikasich, and Brian Grubb, just to name a few. The following weekend, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee for the Malibu Factory Smoky Mountain Pro, held at the Malibu Boats Factory out in Loudoun, Tennessee. The boat was run behind Malibu's M235 and was stop number four of the WWA's Wakeboard World Series. And just like last year, I did record an event cast there, which should release first episode in August. Now, I know we're a few days late on this episode here, but that's because I spent 4th of July over at Sean Murray's house. He invited myself along with Zane Schwank, wake skater Jake Ramsdale, Josh Palma, the world's greatest Tobo driver Travis Moy, all over to perform a little ski show for his neighbor's 4th of July party. There was a couple of hundred people there. It was awesome. Following the ski show, there was an amateurly run but professional style fireworks show. I did have to fly out early the next morning to stop number three of the Malibu Boats Rider Experience. That was in Boise, Idaho, and that's where we are now. So I'll tell you guys all about this stop next time on the podcast. I do really quickly want to shout out to all the sponsors of the podcast for all that they do, helping keep this thing alive. Big shout out, a thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, the WSIA, Roswell Marine, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Footin.com, Wakeboarding.com, GoPuck, Hyperlight, Conley, Ledwake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot. Check them out and show them the love as you do for me. Reminder to find and subscribe to the Golden Mike podcast on iTunes or the podcast app on all iPhone devices. Also, the podcast is available on most Android devices on their podcast apps. Just search podcast. Then once you download that, just search the Golden Mike podcast. On iTunes, go back, hit five stars, then write a review. Send me a screenshot of that review, and I'll send you a free t-shirt while supplies last. You can reach me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Noiseofthenorth.com also hosts every episode of the podcast since number one with Dirty Mike Dowdy all the way back in 2014. You can also listen on SoundCloud. On social media, find the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. Be sure to like the page. I'm also on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. On Instagram, you can find me at Dano T. Mano. So shoot me that follow on all. Now, before we get into the show, how about a few reviews from iTunes? All right, I got three reviews since the last episode of the podcast. This one came in on June 29th, and it reads, Dynamite, 
and it was written by T. Chinderley. Just finished listening to episode 99 with Larry Medock, and you got me wanting more. Good thing I listened all the way through to hear there's a part two. He has so many stories, really a legend in the community of Toad Water Sports. Congrats on the 100th episode. Can't wait for the next 100. Hey, thanks, T. Chinderlay. Uh, the next one comes to us from Wake A Lot, and it's titled Wake A Lot. Huge fan of episode 99. This was wicked fun to listen to. Learned a lot that I didn't anticipate learning. Yeah. And our final review comes to us from the Dirty Dooner himself. Dano is the man. Met Dano at the AZ Boat Show. Dano does an awesome job keeping the show rolling and providing great content. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Hey, make sure you guys write me that review on iTunes, and I will read it out loud right here on the show. Screenshot it. Send it to me any which way you can, and I do appreciate it. All right, y'all, that's it, that's all. Let's get back to the Boathouse Studio right now with my guests, Eric Ruck, Kevin Michael, and Anthony Monaco, right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. This is your 100th episode of the Golden Mike Podcast. I look around this lakefront studio you have assembled here. We have custom sea deck all over the place. Kev, would this possibly be called the... uh the Centurion of the Golden Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I get if if that's a one is that what a hundred is a century? I think so. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. Good call, Rock. Yeah, yeah. One time, I think uh, Chet Sharp wanted to write a book called the uh, I, Centurion. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. Read I that heard about book. that book. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, put some questions together. We thought we'd kind of hijack this thing a little bit, and I think. There's so many fans of yours that you've amassed over the years and so many parents that are avid listeners of this show and so many people have listened to you interview other people. So we thought we'd have some fun and kind of flip the script on you, buddy. Uh, Hey, you know what? Like I said, I didn't really have anything put together too much other than the fact that I knew that I wanted to have you three guys over here. So, Well, this is what you get. All right, let's do this thing. All right, first question. This whole business has really uh, come together pretty well for you. Everything seems to be way more organized um, on the back end, uh, due in part to a love interest of yours who is your girlfriend. Now, a lot of people out there have only heard bits and pieces about the story of how you and Jane met. So can you tell all your fans out there how you guys actually met, when and where? Well, Where especially? I'll, I'll start with this. Um, I'm... I. I would be considered to be probably an above average um, yo-yo um, enthusiast. Enthusiast, <laughs> yo-yoist, yo-yoer, yo-yo player. I can do a lot of Yo-yo-y. tricks. I think above average is selling yourself short. Well, here's the thing, Anth. You can do a lot of flips on a wakeboard, right? But what if you went head-to-head against Mike Dowdy? What could happen? So you could show up at your lake, Lake Benedict, back in Wisconsin, and still today at 40-something years old, people will look at you and be like, well, look at that guy. That guy should go pro. That happens to me quite often <laughs> in yo-yoing. So nobody, it's just yo-yoing is so small that people have never seen anybody who's can, who can do the tricks that I can do. So um, anyways, um, where, where I'm kind of getting with that, I'm a, I'm a big yo-yo enthusiast. I'm really, really good at yo-yo tricks. Um, and keep in mind, I didn't have a real girlfriend till I was 33 years old. And I was really good at yo-yoing by that point. <laughs> so um, so my lovely lady, my love, Jane, 
Uh, she and I actually met at a yo-yo contest. Uh, we met at the Illinois State Yo-Yo Contest. I was there announcing as well as competing. And on that particular day, I was taken out by, I think, a 14-year-old girl uh, beat me in the <laughs> contest. So I don't know if, uh, if, if Jane, um, her interest stemmed from my, um, my achievements in the yo-yo world, but uh, it was a yo-yo contest. What was she contest. doing there? Uh, she was actually, um, she followed the yo-yo community big time, actually. She's really into it, and she'd, um, she'd met, she'd been dating a couple of other professional yo-yo players before me. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm actually, <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, Jane was actually running the stage volunteering for one of her mom's friends. So she, she works at the uh, Chicago Toy and Game Fair every single year and just so happens that that year she was working the stage I'm hosting or announcing emceeing this yo-yo contest and Jane and her sister are sitting there and you gotta understand I'm at a yo-yo contest there's like 60 dudes who are all yo-yoing um, probably a total of three girls and two of those girls were Jane and her sister, and they were being paid to work. And so, she picked you. Well, I was chatting her up yeah. all day long. So, so are there uh, are there yo bros? Yo bros. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are <laughs> kind of like the, kind of like the pro bros within the wakeboard industry. Yeah, yeah. I, I know where you're going, Maybe. Twan. All right. Well, kicking it back to your first start as an announcer in this thing. A lot of people hear you today and hear this polished version of Dano. Uh, the King of Spring, just, you know, super professional. But when you started out, you were pretty raw, dude. And, uh, you know, I remember walking around events and seeing Eric and Tuan here, and we'd be looking at each other. You'd be announcing. You'd have the long intros for the riders. Oh, yeah. Rusty Belinowski. I still do some of that a little bit now, here and there now. Hey, I, lo- I like that. JB called you a cult sensation. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of taking his, you know, former job. And how did you first, I mean, you weren't, you weren't a polished announcer by any means. How did you even get a job announcing? Kev, I'm, 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 I'm going to go on a, I don't even know if I'm a polished announcer today but yeah, Ruck, i know you ruck what's, what's up i was gonna say i remember exactly when it happened yeah let's it was her. it was at nationals at pleasant prairie it was like you know how nationals there's a couple days of amateurs for some reason dishman didn't have someone to announce or somebody showed up late or couldn't make it and you were there i was like we were talking to Dishman, like, give Dano a go. Like, Dano, get up in there. Because you were, like, we we were talking about you trying to get into that. So it actually it actually started earlier than that. That's, th- that is how it happened. But, but wasn't was, that your first time where so, your first event you actually really did? So Nationals is where that all happened. So I was hired, actually, to come and announce Nationals in Wisconsin. But for previous years, and that's what, and I was actually going to say, so a lot of my announcing, a lot of that credit goes to Ruck. Um, because here's the thing. Uh, through Ruck, I met guys like Sean Dishman and Chris Bischoff, and um, Ruck kept telling them and that he thought that I could do that. And the reason where I think it all started from Ruckster was there was a certain 33rd Street uh, restaurant or tavern or something. Muggsies. Muggsies is what it was called. And it was an establishment that we frequented. Um, and Statue of Limitations must be over at this point, so... Um, probably 16 17 years ago and if you were to do the math um 
could have been. Well, let's see here. Yeah, yeah, let's see. We moved into the hood in November of 2002. You guys, keep in mind, this is back in 2003, and we don't condone this kind of behavior anymore, but Muggsy's was the kind of place that uh, anybody could go to. I just like that you're attributing your early roots in your career to a karaoke bar. Well, <laughs> near the so county it's jail. seriously the truth, though. So many people ask me, they're like, how did you get into this? And I was like, well, I was actually discovered in a karaoke bar. And Ruck, <laughs> and, and Ruck can kind of back this up here. So we would go to this karaoke bar and oh, yeah. we and there would be 18 to 25 of us. Hey, and this place is right next to 33rd Street Jail. So it's like where everyone goes to get their first tr- drink out of the clink. <laughs> and and so. the police station is on one side. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, again, this place no longer exists, and we don't condone this behavior. I do. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, they, they used to do karaoke there every Friday. And um, What was your go-to song? Oh, I had tons of go-to songs, but this is... We went so much, we had a long list of go-tos. We had... Ruckster's run into the fridge. Um, We had a long list of go-tos. Anyways, I would take over the microphone every single week, and I remember this one time, the the guy cut me off. footage of that. Um, Ruck, I don't know if you remember this, the guy, the karaoke guy cut me off, and everybody just started, like, freaking out. It was like... Well, going to be a riot. He was super boring, and you would pretty much carry his job for him. He was just queuing up songs, and you would pretty much commandeer the microphone for the whole night. And, and, gra- and granted, yes, there was 25 of us in there, so we made up more than three quarters of the establishment at the time, but you got to remember that. We kept that place in business for about three years. I, I, I always tell people I was discovered at a karaoke bar, but yes, yeah, so my first my first event was um, Nationals 2005 in Wisconsin, just like Eric said. Uh, it was it was crazy. I remember um, the first day I show up, and at this point, I don't really know like the amateurs like I do now. Uh, I knew who the pro riders were, but then you get up there and it's like, holy smokes! You think you know what to do, but you're really not that good. And then on top of it, Nick Weinecker was supposed to be the lead guy. Well, his flight was canceled, so he doesn't even show up. So they throw uh, Ryan Lamos, who at the time worked for Nautique, up into the actually tower. he was working. I think when he. He was. He with, went to Hyperlight. Right so he's at with Hyper. Maybe he was with Hyperlight at this time, but he had been just gotten done working with Nautique. So they threw him up there with me, and uh, I I can credit Ryan Lamos with and Tuan, You'll like this. Um, the real estate line that I use all the time. Um, plenty of real estate left on the water. I learned that at my first nationals. That's nice. a, that's a Lamos. That's a Lamos quote. So yes, uh, 05 was my first year. I was not very polished. I. Love to do humongous intros, and I credit knowing how to announce to watching many years of wrestling. So, Dana, we got some questions uh, from the field. Some of our friends have sent in some so questions. You, so you guys actually kind of prepped well, for... Well, I think people have been in anticipation of this 100th episode, so they've been sending yes. in questions for you. Wow. Um, one comes from a good friend of ours, Jimmy LaRich, and uh, he's out in Oregon right now doing well with Lifestyle Wake and... Uh, never summer, but, uh, I had lunch with him today and he wants to know about a certain alter ego of yours. I think you might have a couple, but one of them, uh, is named the kid. So, uh, the kid, well, Jimmy, Jimmy knows darn well who the, the kid is, right? Um, the, the kid, kid is, needs his keys. The, the kid at one time thought he needed his keys. The, the kid was uh, this thing that happened to me. Um, 
again, this is many, many years ago and sort of before I've mellowed out on some of the, uh, some of the, uh, uh, extracurricular activities that I like to do as far as like partying and just chugging beers all day long. (laughs) Um, so I, I remember this day quite vividly. Is that the word I'm thinking of or non vividly? Or maybe a little bit of both. It was a clear fog. It was clearly foggy. So um, I, I remember this. It had something to do with the Chew Burger. Um, Chew Burger was there. Spencer, um, Williams. Spencer Williams. And Parks Bonifay. And somehow I ended up going to watch football with these guys downtown uh, all day long. And I head back to the hood. I'm not living in the hood at this time. I'm living over in Dr. Phillips. So again, early days, 2010, 11 I just moved out of Rucks, but there's so much going on on Clear Lake at this time. Mitch Langfield had his house. Um, my buddy Brian Petrini was The Blue Circle. There. The Blue Circle. Jimmy had his house. Uh, Adam Arrington had his house. In fact, at this time... I think Watkins still lived there. I think Watkins may have still lived there. Um, there's all this stuff going on. Anyways, I get home, or I get to the hood, and I've maybe had a few, you know... Um, I was overserved. Most de- you he always likes to Dano, use that one. you never overdid it. You were always overserved. Yeah, well, you always said he was overserved. <laughs> I was yeah. slightly overserved on this particular night. And <laughs> what happened was um and thank thankfully he did this. My friend Brian Petrini, Pie Train, um uh beads as some call him. Uh Petrano. As, as 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 uh as Jimmy would call him and um so he realized real fast that I had no business having any kind of car keys in my pocket. And this is before Uber, right? So I, I'm in this place, and we've all probably been there, right? I didn't realize where I was at, what I was doing, how I was acting. Anyways, I thought that I was fine to drive. None of these guys would give me my car keys to drive home. Um, and this alter ego, the kid, came out. And I start speaking of myself in like third person, doing crazy things. Like, I, I remember at one point I jumped onto somebody's car and trying to like hitch a ride back to my house or something like that. But the kid is not a place where I'd like to be. Rucky, you've probably seen the kid come out a couple of times. I've seen the kid come out, but the best thing about the kid is that the original kid experience was completely documented because it's right when iPhones gave you the voice recorder. And the whole night at Jimmy's was recorded, which, sad to say, the recording has been lost. Well, sad to say possibly on an an old... Jimmy thinks he might have it somewhere. On an old iPhone somewhere. Yeah, Jimmy might have it the best part is that it's gone. It's about 20 minutes of Dano referring to himself as the kid, (laughs) acting very... Erratically, but it, but you, you listen, <laughs> most people in that era of the wake industry probably heard the kid uh, audio. That, that was one of those things that used to make me so mad about Jimmy is that like he was such a little kid. Him, Adam, and Adam would both they would voice do, record people all the time. So like you know people are out having a good time and it's like okay. You know, you know, nowadays we deal with it with social media, but it was like at this time, it was like, okay, we're out having a good time, like no photos, no videos, no nothing. I mean, you don't really have to worry about that. And then all of a sudden I show up the next day at Jimmy's house like, oh, nothing happened. No one's going to remember that. And it's like, dude, everybody in the world loves the kid. The kid <laughs> wants his keys. <laughs> the kid wants his keys. <laughs> good thing nobody gave the kid his keys. Jimmy also had a follow-up question. Uh, he knew you were going to be here today, Ruck. He was asking about the origins of the Pineapple Tree song. 
be cool if you get a audio I mean, sample to, of that. To tell you the truth, I don't even remember where it came from. I just remember we were on a trip one time that Dana was at, and it was me and Murray. We had uh, guitars with us, and we just were messing around with this little uh, this little chord. Uh, little pattern that uh do you remember that you remember how how it goes or no uh, not kind See, of I, kind of but we were just messing around with this little thing and dana was with us the whole time and just started uh putting some words to it and well you know you know the pineapple tree song and we may I, I may have talked about this on the murray episode and um the pineapple tree song was something that like ruck you were like this was back in the hyperlight days and like old days like Greg Dick was around and stuff like that and you guys were all egging me on to sing the pineapple tree song but really where that that song stems masters. from uh we were on our way to masters this was when we did that road trip from uh, you me and Murray we road tripped from pro tour to the masters right. in your van so it was a long time ago and where the song stemmed from was uh myself and Eric along with a lot of other people we used to go to this bar called O'Reilly's Lantern Pub or something like that. Riley's Lantern Pub. Riley's. That's where Kinda played. Yep. We went and we used to go watch this hippie band and we were there for a festival one time. They had the, the back door open and I walked out there and they had this palm tree growing out of the concrete ground that was as wide as it was tall. So it was like eight feet tall and like eight feet wide and it looked to me... And again, this was a different time in my life, so it looked to me like a gigantic pineapple... And I came up with the uh, the pineapple tree song. We used to, uh, back when in the uh, early days with Ruck, I, I moved in with Eric around 2002, 2003. We, we used to always write songs. The Yellow music. Room Blues. Totally. In fact, the night before Eric's wedding, Eric even pulled out this book and it had all kinds of crazy notes. I think I still have all. I'm sure you I, do. I do have all. It had like all of Eric's old songs in it, but it was like a, he had a notebook of mine. It had the alpaca stuff in it, like mm-hmm. the alpaca information from when I sold alpaca rugs. Had, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Side note. <laughs> yeah, on a side note, the, uh, the alpaca stage of my life. Uh, was it a kiosk in the mall? Uh, it was a kiosk. It was a <laughs> store. It was a lot of things. But yeah, yeah it was... Uh, <gasps> It, it wasn't my brightest moment of my life. Hey, did you, did you, did you, you gotta sell start any? somewhere? Alpaca days. Did you yeah. sell any though? Yeah, no. I I think I sold alpaca fur for about two months, and I think I sold maybe forty five dollars worth of alpaca fur ever. So I think yeah, I made more than most of us have sold. Well, I think I made a total of four dollars and fifty cents at that entire job. Yeah. That was, that was a, I don't know, Ruck, if you that remember. That was an old town. It. It, was, it, was a, it was a lot of places, but I don't know if you remember uh. it, but I worked the job at the alpaca place, and one morning I'm leaving, and it's like, Eric Ruck, Parks Bonifay, Danny Harf, Tino Santor, you name it. There's this, this list of who's who just sitting in our living room, and I go to work, and I'm sitting there, and, and to be quite honest with you, I was probably overserved the night before. So, <laughs> so... I go into work and I'm miserable and I know there's a party going on and I think it was uh, right after my 21st birthday and uh, no, this was maybe like right before my 21st. I can't remember exactly what, what was going on, what the circumstances were, but I just remember locking the door, putting my key into the mail slot on the door and just saying... You can keep that four dollar and fifty cent commission check. <laughs> I don't need it. And uh, yeah, I walked out of that. So, place. Dano, you you said that uh, you're a fan of Eric's, and when he got really good at wakeboarding, you're mentioning, 
you know, how you looked up to him and how he kind of helped you get your start in announcing. But once you started announcing and getting your gigs and touring, they would put you up in hotel rooms. So weren't you kind of able to return the favor a little bit? Yeah, well, I didn't I didn't really look at it as returning a favor at the time because uh, I love Eric. Eric's my best friend and my my bro. So like whatever, everything is cool. But like it was like as soon as I got on tour, Ruck was like, I don't think I gave him an an option. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say no. It was like Ruck's like, all right. So it was like 2005. Then um, I did Nationals 2006. I get my first gig, and so Ruck's like, okay, so here we are, stop number one of the King Awake. Um, you got a hotel room? Sweet. I'll just sleep right there in that <laughs> side of the bed. But who is normally your roommate, Dano, on tour already? Well, Coram, right? No, or it, you? No, back in the old oh, days, in the beginning, it was Kevco. Kevco and myself would always would always be uh, in hotel rooms, or myself in the NIC would have a hotel room. But um, for, between 2006 and about 2000. And, 10 is that roughly when you stopped competing or so rock uh probably 2010 2011 was probably my last year somewhere so, in there between that time i always had the honor of not only sharing or my room with eric but i also had the honor of sharing my bed with um with eric at all of those those stops as well um which i didn't care yeah but what about me because for a long t- that meant that I, that it left no room for me to share my bed with anybody else on the road. I, I, I was married and uh, not worried about it. And basically, um, that wasn't going to happen for you anyways. <laughs> I've spoken like a true friend. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It, I, I wouldn't change it at all. It was awesome. Uh, but yes, I, I do recall, It's I think it was my first five or so years on the road that uh, everywhere I went, Ruckster and myself would uh, share the quarters. So yeah, Eric had a guitar a lot of those. Ron Seidenglanz uh, coined, coined the frame, uh, we were doubling up. We doubled up. We were so doubling up. It was good. It was good, man. All, all good memories and stuff. Dan, out of all those years, do you have a single most favorite event that you can speak of? Man, there's there's been so many events and like it's like it's it's tough to to pinpoint one thing down, but there's like, like different times, different eras, different areas and stuff like that. Uh, always loved going out to Texas and doing like rail jams with, um, Bill Geiger, Texas style, doing it Texas style. Uh, those are like where I got to meet guys like Joey Bradley and uh, who do we Tom got Pichet. here? We got Richie. We got DJ pool. Yeah, how, how would Bill Geiger invite you to an <laughs> well, event? What like, was his, it was, Tom Fou- you, hey, Tom you- Fouché does an amazing build. It, it would. It, this was like a crazy, crazy time. Like all of a sudden, it was like I I fell into this gig announcing these events. Like it was a cult sensation. Like you like like JB would say it was like a cult sensation. And then all of a sudden, this guy from Texas finds out about me. He's like, dude, I gotta have you out. And his name's Bill Geiger. And <laughs> it's like, what do you get when you take two pools over? 50,000 gallons of water, separate them with some gnarly features, and bring out some of the best wakeboarders in the world. It's a rail jam, Texas Texas style. style. 
That's right, down at Gillies. Those that was always those were always fun because um, that would bring together a lot of the East Coast guys with the Texas crew. Um, one of my one of my favorite things ever that I got to do was I I went to Ireland with Joey Medock, Daniel Watkins, and. Um, Ike, and actually that trip was meant for Eric and Parks to come with me. Um, these Irish guys that I met were like, Dano, um, we want to bring you out and we're going to let you bring whoever you want. And so I was like, well, and they're like, we'd like for you to bring Parks and Eric. And I told Parks and Eric, and I, I don't have the, the words straight out of their mouth, but it was basically like both of them looked at me like it was too good to be true kind of at the time. Like, come on, what's the what's the catch on this one? And Daniel Watkins had caught wind about this trip. And he was like, I don't care if Parks and PB don't want to go book it. You, me, and Ike, we're going. And he's like, we're bringing Medoc. So that one, uh, uh, Ireland was pretty insane. Uh, Ike, we, we went and got our hair cut. We went and got shaves at like 3 in the morning. And Ike has got, Brett Eisenhower is the only guy that I that I know that could, maybe Chad could too, but... Uh, who could walk out of a barber shop at 3.30 in the morning when nobody's on the street, find somebody, and pick a fight with him. <laughs> that was just Ike. Um, but yeah, Ireland was insane. And, you know, it, 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 again, it's, like t- it's tough to say. There have been so many events um, over the year, but over the years, but a lot of the Texas events always stuck out. Um, you know, one event that I that I remember was really, really good, and Ruck, I think you were there. Kev, you were probably there too, was um, Arizona Wake Lab. Something about... Oh, yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Something about Kevco that event. Kevco had a great time at that one. <laughs> yeah, Kevco did have a great time at that event. Uh, I, and, and, and on that event... And, I don't oh, know. you know who we saw at that event? Kid Chez. Yep. Remember Chez yeah. came going back to that. the Going back to the old Aquanaut days. Yeah, we d- also d- saw Kid lives, Rock, he guys. He lives in that area, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember. He came He's out to that. Out Red Bull in general, yeah. During that time, threw some incredible, yeah, uh, one-off yeah, events. Crazy. Yeah, those were those Bring were. On back, Chaz. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, again, uh, after so many years, it's it's just it's really, really, really tough. It's tough to say. I mean, there there have been so many uh, amazingly good times forgotten, unfortunately. Because you were overserved. Because I was overserved always. Never my fault. Well, you're always on the go, too, so time moves fast. Quick break, everybody, for a quick shout-out to my pals at Ronix. In case you guys didn't know, Eric Ruck is not only a pro rider for Ronix, but he takes care of a ton of the -the behind-the-scenes business as well. In front of the scenes, Eric is still shredding hard, but these days, mostly on the wake surfer. Ruck's board of choice is the Powerfish Technora, and you can have a look at that along with all the boards and gear for any style at ronixwake.com. While you're there, locate a Ronix dealer near you and schedule a demo today. Ronixwake.com is the website. And now let's get back to the show with Eric Anth and Kev right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. One thing I noticed over the years is that you've always been super gracious um, with riders and their parents. You have a kind of a you understand that everyone means something to this industry and to this event and that everyone matters. I think you did a great job of kind of going outside your job description and just calling balls and strikes on the water to really, you know, calling out parents by name. And all of a sudden all these parents were fans of yours and stuff. And I'm sure like you would have some crazy stories about like wake dads and like 
you know, funny parent stories over so, the years? So the best thing, to, especially in the old days, was like we would always be like announcing from a tower, right? So one of the, the best things ever is to like sit there and watch people doing things, pretending like they're not doing something right. Um, and, and one thing that I caught on to pretty quickly, and again, keep in mind, I don't come from this competitive like family. Like we never, we didn't do events where it was like, oh, is Danny going to be on the podium today? You know, it was never, it was never like that. Like the only sports that I did were team sports. And, um, so it was, it was never like, I, I didn't come from this world where you are looking for results, waiting for results. So I started announcing and the results boards are always on the side of the announcer's tower. And I start realizing that a lot of the parents at certain times of the day are hanging around the announcer's tower, right? So didn't you have a phrase for them? Well, they were sort of creeping around the, um, the announcer's tower. So, um, you got it. Okay. So like fathers who I'm talking about, Steele Lafferty's dad, uh, Bob and Phil Sovin's dad, um, Daniel Powers' dad, um, who comes to every one of Eric Ruck's jams. Yes, good old day, JP. Right, yeah, me and Mr. Shout Powers out. are tight. But you guys are tight. He's a cool Shout dude. Shout out. And like so, like all, and you even see it nowadays where the parents like try to play it coy, where they're like, "Oh, no big deal, no big deal." I just happen to be walking past the results board, <laughs> creeping by. So I we I I coined the phrase uh, the creep fest. And the leader of the Creep Fest was Wayne Sovin. And then there was like Jim Powers. And uh, the Schuler's dad was a part of that one. Um, Gus and Gunnar Schuler, their dad was in the Creep Fest. And the Creep Fest is basically just a group of parents who creep around the results board pretending like they're not waiting for results. But they always go up to the information booth and say, hey, do you know when the results are coming out? <laughs> Ruck, were your folks like that ever at the wakeboard no. contests definitely no not. Definitely no not. you were you kind of you were like lucky enough to sort of be on your own as a like they, they yeah, showed I mean, up at some at the beginning right but yeah you were well my first year as as a pro i was a senior in high school and then after that i moved to florida and then i was going to most of them just by myself so that your so your dad never um protested on your behalf no <laughs> Neither of my parents would even ever. I, I I think I protested one time in my whole career. Hey, Ooh, tell us about that. Yeah, Rock, it has to take a lot to get you to protest. Where was it? I think, where was it? And somebody probably made you do it. Man, I love any protest stories. It Unless you're crazy. involved in it, right, Kev? <laughs> well, looking back now, I could I think it was, I think it was actually in the Keys at an event. I don't remember. It was something stupid. I don't know. I didn't protest because, I mean... If you didn't make it, you didn't make it. Hey, and one other thing that you never did was have a knot in your rope when it was your turn to go, right? That's right. I mean, you didn't need that to help you win a pro tour season title or a world championship. Well, let's just say I didn't I didn't play no games where there would ever end up an asterisk next to my name. <laughs> <laughs> and and anybody who you might be able to refer to that did? Nope. No, nothing. Nope. Nothing. Uh, Kevco, anything else on there from the uh, peanut gallery? From the peanut gallery. Well, Dano, uh, one thing we noticed you uh, allow the guests to do, and we should um, thought it'd be interesting to do with you, uh, would be to thank uh, the people I've helped you with this podcast, but not necessarily just the sponsors, because I know you're going to list them um, 
on audio after this interview, but maybe there's certain people along the way um, and individuals that have really helped you out. Um, for what you're asking for right now, I'd like everybody to just refer back to my speech from the WSIA winning the uh, Larry Medock Award. Sure. No, uh, it. Uh, so I did win that award, the Larry Medock Award, and uh, um, I I gave quite the speech on that particular night where I I was. I don't know if I've told the story here on the podcast or not, but I knew I was nominated for this this award. WSIA is uh, Kev. We mentioned at the beginning is the executive director of Water Sports Industry Association, and I was nominated for this award, the Larry Medock Award, and we've talked about it on the podcast. And I ended up winning it, but I was uh, going into it. I was feeling like if I wrote a speech, it would be super pretentious. Um, so what I did, and it took me until about. 20 minutes before we left to go to the uh, ceremony was I wrote a, a huge list of names of people who have kind of helped me all along the way. And then uh, I would, I sit up on stage for like 25 minutes and, <laughs> and go through that speech. But um, you know, uh, to, to answer that question, you know, Kev, like, you know, obviously my mom and my dad, my brother and my sister, Bon Bon, Romsky, Susan and Mikey and my, grandmother who's not with us you know obviously uh the biggest supporters of me for forever but you know like of course like ruckster and even though you weren't there you were probably right there at the top of the list of of the people who i think ruck um ruck opened up his door well ruck opened up parks's door uh for myself and his brother to come down in 2002 and kind of get this thing going and it was literally like within a week that I reconnected with Anthony or even I would say connected with Anthony. And, um, it was because of Anthony that I got to, to go out and really hone my skills on a water ski. And I skied with Anthony like five, six days a week. When I first moved down to Florida, Kev, you came around, you were, um, editor of, of wakeboarding mag at the time. And you, although I was like, when people started seeing photos of me, I would say 99% of that stuff was coming out in Alliance, but you were always there to kind of, to give me advice, even if it wasn't advice that like helped wakeboarding mag at the time. Or that's whatever. because Chase and Staker love, love, <laughs> loved what you had going on because that's when they were filming all the Alliance stuff. Too. It's true. And what, all, what always kind of blew my mind about um, getting the support from Chase Hebner and Matt Staker and, and uh, Chase gets the credit for coining the phrase Dano the Mano. Uh, Chase Hebner actually one. gets that. Wow. Um, and but it was it, crazy because in the '90s, Chase and Staker were like these anti-water ski guys, and I moved down to Florida, and I was like this water skiing anti-water ski guy, sort of like. Uh, Ruck and Parks and the boys would pull me and like I would shoe ski with these guys. We'd go to the cable park, they'd wakeboard it and I would shoe ski, you know, and and I wasn't trying to like prove any kind of I You're I, just doing what you did. I was just doing what I did and like at the same time I was trying to get you guys to do that too and there were times I I do remember a couple of days out of the cable where you guys were even cutting your own shoe skis. And there was a there was a couple of days out there where it was a good six or seven of us out there shoeing. Yeah, 
We uh, there were there were some times back in the early days where we uh, were making some early day cable wakeboarders pretty annoyed with our shoe ski antics at the cable park. But again, like that was it. Like I was just kind of trying to stay true to, to what I do. So, um, you know, getting back to that list, um, you know, of, like, of course, like the Aquanuts for, for like everything that I learned up there and Kenny Meyer, the Godfather, baby um, face. That's, that's right. Baby face. Great mullet. We could, one he of the had best. an OG great mullet. Yeah. One of the uh, best. Totally different style than either. It was yeah, a waterfall yeah, yeah. though. It was, it was, yeah, it was more, yeah. It was rolling streams, thing. yeah, rolling streams. Yeah. Twin Lakes was just, just Twin Lakes was just known for for developing and putting out some developing of the best mullets, you know, <laughs> little mullet style hair. It was a mullet factory. Uh, it was, I mean, that place was just. Uh, you know, I look back at some of those years, and it's like, like you know, you always have that. You know, those were the best years of my life. But Twin Lakes, man, I don't know what it was about that place. It was just so secluded from everywhere that you had just who you had around you, you know, and that's all you guys did was you skied and, you know, and, and you skied during the day or you'd go out at night and get overserved. And what I love um, about Twin Lakes is you go back there 20 years later. Nothing's changed. With, well, I was going to say internet, um, Instagram, Facebook, social media, um, the World Wide Web, that place, that's, that's just like going back to 1987. It's a beautiful thing. It is. You know, the buildings stayed the same, just the names have changed on them. And you come back 10 years later and some of those old names are back on them again and locations change, but it's, it's everybody the same keeps place. getting older and it just keeps staying the same. Yeah. And I think, I think the four of us had a general, um, support of one another, but there's never one time that I can remember any of us getting a certain position or job or anything um, without kind of doing it on our own. There's never a time where we ever had to get someone a job or, you know, go to bat for this. So that's what was kind of the interesting part as this comes full circle to me is that we always had general support and I always say good things about you guys, but it was never like we helped each other get a job, but we all ended up in the exact same place down here in Florida, down here in this room, um, doing this podcast right now is it's kind of, we all took a totally different path. Um, yeah and and it's and it's so crazy because uh, again like when when anthony and i i remember being a kid when anthony and kev left the aquanauts in like 93 94 um that was it's such a such a huge hit for the ski team and like you think about like for me like all the people in my life who aren't even around anymore and for us to reconnect and still be friends and then again even for eric because eric left the ski team in 99 um and never, you know, Eric would come back and stuff like that. But, you know, that was your, your last year, really. I think giving, 98. Giving any, 99 was my first year on full pro tour. So, so, like, that was, like, you giving your last year of commitment to that. And, you know, I kept going on for, for a long time. But still, like, I think getting kind of what you're saying, Kev, is, like, for all of us to kind of start from that small town in Wisconsin doing this amateur show ski thing. And I don't know if any of you guys ever thought, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Like I always thought when I was a kid that I was going to be a part of the industry in one way or another, but I thought I would just be like selling boats. I didn't know that people would, uh, you know, I had Carl Robert come up to me at uh, the Roswell uh, 20th anniversary party over the weekend. He came up to you. He walked up to me and and, and I'm embarrassed to say that like at first I didn't even recognize who he was. And I know, I know. I mean, but that's, 
I, I only, you know, I remember like the old school like photos of him skiing and he looks a lot, he's still in great shape, but like for a guy like Carl Roberts to walk up to me and, and tell me that the way that I announce the tournaments in water skiing and listen, like I'm not like the biggest brain. I don't know all of the history. I just say what I see and call it kind of as it is in a positive way and stuff. And for him to say that, that he pretty much loves hearing me announce it because it's no BS or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it's not whatever, it's not what I signed up for originally and never what I thought I, where I was going to be or whatever, you know, and you look at you, Kev, and, uh, you know, former pro skier and, and the ski shows, uh, uh, wakeboarding magazine, your work with all the companies that you've done, uh, to now being the executive director of the WSIA and helping keeping our uh, sport alive, you know, places trying to shut it down and you continuing to protect it. And Anthony, uh, your years in the industry working at performance. And then now, of course, what you do at, um, at, at Nautique and, and, uh, having such a huge hand with, with the biggest athletes in the world. And then Eric and, uh, you know, things have definitely changed since you were on the podcast with me last time, but your role in Ronix and what you do and how you've been able to, you know, Ronix was already an amazing brand, but the, the amount of eyes now that you have been able to introduce to the Ronix brand and like even bigger and, and more than like, like you introducing the brand to people, but exposing uh, wakeboarding and water sports in general to, to so many people, you know what I mean? And, and you go back to the Aquanet days and you think about how many people came to the ski shows in 1997 and 98 specifically just to like watch you wakeboard or whatever. But again, uh, you know, uh, Kev, you mentioned it there going for full circle here. I mean, just pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. And I, I mentioned at the beginning of the, the podcast, you know, over a hundred and 25 years of of on water experience it's uh it, it, it's pretty cool you know now from wisconsin we're all down here in florida so definitely uh appreciate you guys for all that you do for the sport and everything you guys have done for me and appreciate you guys for being here on episode number 100 so with that being said i'm gonna start with you ruck some closing thoughts uh yeah it's a privilege to have grown up with a you three and to have have our lives be intertwined like they have and uh you know it's a beautiful thing it's a it's a it's a good world it's 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 cool that uh the four of us kind of have turned into uh in our own rights in different wor- in different spectrums you know promoting this thing that we all love and in a positive light and 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 more or less sharing the love and teaching people about the love that the sport can uh, produce. Absolutely. Kevco? Man, I'm just thinking, Dano, a lot of your work kind of speaks for itself. A lot of people are familiar with your character and the kind of person you've turned out to be. Um, and obviously this 100th episode is proof um, of your staying power in this thing. Um, Eric, when I think of Eric and his career, um, I'm just honored to be friends with the guy. He's, he's very humble. I would say he's one of the most real uh, people that I've seen um, handle success because success, you know, changes everybody in certain ways. And Eric's the same guy he was, you know, back on the dock doing rope and dock uh, for the Aquanuts. (laughs) Um, He's always had that kind of Zen master ability to just, you know, make you feel calm. And you see any interview that he's ever had, he's always the same old Eric. And I think that's 
probably one of the coolest things. And Anthony over here, him and I were, you know, dueling mullets out there on the water like we were talking about. But he's probably one of the most talented um, and people probably don't know this about him. They A lot of people know him from performance or now at Nautique and whatnot and maybe as a wakeboarder before that. But that dude, this dude can do anything on the water and he could do it really well. And he was, still can, right? Yeah. still. I'm, I, I, I like to he, claim that I'm the best mediocre skier out there. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a little bit of everything and maybe some a little bit better than others, but for the most part, I can pretty much do everything mid-pack. Let's so. do just a smooth operator. He never had to muscle any tricks. He just made everything look so easy. And I always could never emulate that myself. I let, a lot of what I was doing was, you know, gritting through stuff and trying to use muscle. Anthony was just a finesse guy, no matter what he was on. And what your dad used to call me? I don't Argentinian know. flea. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get you some aminos. You'll be a super athlete. <laughs> you were a super athlete. You guys were the super athletes. But yeah, I think anyone that you talk to that dealt with Anthony at at performance and whatnot, I'll just say, you know, great dude. Um, you know, no ego, and I think that's you know what you guys have collectively in this room. You know, share in common. There's really no ego behind what you're doing. You guys are in it for the love and that's obvious to me. And so sitting here today, looking back on all these years, it's really not a lot has changed. I mean, the way we operate in our lives have changed, but we've slightly matured just slightly, thankfully. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's still that same drive as, you know, growing up in the summers and twin lakes. Anthony, some closing thoughts, my friend, you know, it's pretty cool. Like just sitting here throughout the night and, you know, listening to these stories and listening to you guys, it's uh, it's cool. You know, we I think the one thing that you can't take away from from us in this room is that you know we grew up in that same spot, so we've known each other for forever. You know, we watch each other. I watched all you guys grow up, um, and so for me, it's pretty cool because even though there's you know some generation gaps there and stuff like that between age, it's. Uh, it just kind of the, the 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 ski team ties us together i think it's just that bond that we'll always have and it's cool like you were saying kev you know we all went our own separate paths and yet we all ended up in the same room tonight you know together um and it's for that love of skiing you know and it's for the love of just toad water sports in general you know i mean we're all skiers. We all started out there. You know, Eric probably of of this group is definitely the most successful in the wakeboard side of it. And, you know, but there's always the roots there. You know, we used to go on the boat. We'd go out of my house and a trick ski would make, you know, make its way out into the thing. And it was like, and it was like everybody, nobody cared what you did. You know, there was no egos and it was just, uh, it was just a fun time. And I think it's always, I think in 20 years, it'll be the same thing with us. And I think that's something if anyone's listening to this, that's getting really serious about wakeboarding or serious about water skiing it, you know, when you take a step back or you go, you know, you look in retrospect 30 years ago for us, you know, you'll never regret having fun. And making sure that when you get on the water every time it's for the purpose of getting out there leaving everything back at home and having a good time and no matter what the accolades are along the line like as long as you know you had the time of your life you'll never regret you for know. sure totally dudes i i want to thank you guys a ton for being here and i'm 
stoked to finally have gotten you to, to sit down on the podcast with oh, us. Oh, yeah, that's another question from the field. Sorry to... to oh, yeah, no Yeah, hey. but uh, is there any certain athletes or certain personalities you've had a hard time getting on the Golden Mike podcast? Oh, yeah. Um, so... Uh, Kepko's setting me up for a softball here. Uh, luckily for me, this guy, well, maybe unluckily, Bob doesn't listen. Bob Sove and I've been trying for for so long to get that dude on the podcast. But uh, What do you think? What's, what's I the... used to call Colin Harrington Hollywood Harrington, <laughs> but uh, Hollywood Bob, man. Hollywood Bob. I don't know. One of, one of these days, he's going to come back. I thought it was the hammer. Yeah, well, the hammer was is another one of Colin's... Uh, uh, nicknames, but yeah, I've been trying for a long time. That's what he referred to as his house, the Hammer House. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a he's a craftsman, so to say. Uh, yeah, Bob Sovin. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I'll get him on the the show one of these days. But rumor uh, has it he talked to Larry Medock at length the other day. Huh? Can we expect some? Yeah, actually, by the time you guys are listening to this right now. Uh, you've either listened to the entire Larry Madoc episode or you've listened to part one of the two-part Larry Madoc <laughs> episode. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Big Lair. Big Lair. It's going to be good. Uncut? Uh, we might cut it a little bit. We went two hours and 45 minutes straight. So, yeah. yeah. We only I'll went t- I'll tell you uncensored. What. uncensored. I'll tell you what. You never you never yeah. been scared unless you, unless you uh, have uh, missed a uh, master's... Uh, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, yeah, the parade, the parade of, champions. of champions? Yeah, you've never been scared until you have to deal with Larry Maddock after sleeping through a parade of champions. <laughs> yeah, I, I talked I talked to Larry and he said that you guys were pretty good. He yeah, good, good. I'm glad he doesn't good. really remember that. So, I can't yeah. wait to hear those park stories. Yeah, it's gonna be good. All right, Eric Ruck, Anthony Monaco, Kevin Kevco, Michael. Appreciate you guys. Episode number 100. We're sitting here at the Boathouse Studio. I got some crazy neighbors doing some crazy things in jet boats. Folks, hopefully they don't crash into my house. I'll let you know in the outro. Anyways, enjoyed this one to 100 more. You guys, let's party. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Awesome sponsor of the Golden Mike Podcast is Roswell Marine. Since 1998, Roswell Marine has been driven by passion for boating and water sports, born out of the garage of Robert Oswell, and now produced on the space coast of Florida. Roswell is always pushing boundaries within the industry to make beautiful and functional products that make boating and water sports a little bit more enjoyable. With multiple awards and innovation, industry first, and the business motto of quality without compromise, Roswell Marine's proven performance has helped define the wake industry for nearly two decades. Whether you're depending upon a universal tower or Neptunes, aka the king of tower speakers, Roswell products are built to perform reliably from the day you unbox them. Go to roswellmarine.com to find out more info. Again, that's roswellmarine.com. 
Lead Wake bags are designed with wake surfers and wakeboarders in mind. Lead Wake bags are designed perfectly to be stacked and placed in tight spaces. Custom designed Lead Wake bags are easy to shift around in your boat and will help clean up any wake without having to fill excess water bags or move your friends around. You can buy lead wake in multiple sizes, but I recommend the 50-pounders, and so do some of the biggest names in wake, including Danny Harp and Sean Murray, just to name a couple. Lead wake ships free anywhere inside the USA. You can find out more and order online at leadwake.com. That's L-E-A-D-W-A-K-E.com. Lead wake. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. It's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. All right, well, a big thank you to the boys for coming by and celebrating this milestone episode with me. It was certainly a little loose, and the guys were definitely trying to get some risque audio from me. But in the end, it was just a good time and a reminder to me about how much this sport and industry has given me. I'm so lucky to have made such good friends through water sports. And two and a half decades later, we all still bleed the passion. And that's a beautiful thing. Upcoming events. Boise, Idaho. That's where I'm at right now. July 6th, 7th, and 8th. And Detroit, Michigan coming up July 13th, 14th, and 15th. That's stops number three and four of the Malibu Boats Rider Experience Series in the WWA Wakeboard Regional Championships. The month of July closes out in Seattle, Washington with the WWA Wakeboard Nationals. And we kick off August just outside of Chicago in Crystal Lake, Illinois with the 2018 WWA Wake Park Nationals at the Quarry Wake Park. And then August 17th is in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, TL Corn Fest. And the events continue to roll in after that, so stay tuned for more. Book me for your next event. You can contact me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. I'd love to come and host, announce, or MC in your neck of the woods. My social media, of course, is at the Dano T. Mano and at the golden underscore Mike on Twitter. On Instagram, I am at Dano T. Mano. And, of course, the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. Spread the word about the Golden Mike Podcast. Let everybody know that all 100 episodes are available on iTunes, most Android podcast listening apps, SoundCloud, and noiseofthenorth.com. Give the show a five-star rating. Review the show because when you do, it makes me smile and drives me closer to the top of the charts on iTunes. Thanks again to my guests, Eric Ruck, Kevin Michael, and Anthony Monaco. And now a few shout-outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, the WSIA, Roswell Marine, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Wakeboarding.com, Footin.com, GoPuck, Hyperlight, Conley, Ledwake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot, Jenna Carruth on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. That's going to do it for today's show, and I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I am the noise of the North himself, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.